0: Tetrami tetra, tre... <laughs> Sorry, are you rapping? Is no. that what you're doing? Tetromino. I should have thought before I started doing this podcast to check whether you're dyslexic or not. It's, I mean, it's not that it ma- it makes it more interesting. It's like the last leg, really, <laughs> isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. I'm, I'm fighting against adversity. Yeah.
0: The letter T. He is the Totes Paul Gannon,
1: and he is the Damien Saint John.
0: And this is the tachycardic type podcast. The dictionary. Beep, beep. 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 So, totes.
1: Yeah?
0: And I mean, uh, no, I want to do yours first, because you actually didn't even give me a word. I did. No, you went...
1: No, I didn't. You weren't <laughs> listening. <laughs> <laughs> you see, but you do not... Do ob- I can't even say... You see, but you do not observe.
0: Uh, what did you just do? Stick your tongue out? No. What's your T word?
1: The. Uh, <laughs> the Damien St. John. Did you
0: come up with this like two minutes before you walked in? No,
1: because it's interesting, the word there. Obviously, it's the definitive article, right? Yes. We all use it. It's also the most used word in the English-speaking world. It comes from the development of the old English system, and the old English used to use the definite, definite article as se, as in the uh, masculine gender. So I think it's seo, which is feminine, and then basically I can't say it, but it means that, which is the neutral. So in Middle English, all these words kind of Emerged and became the modern English we know as the so, yeah, most popular word we use it all the time. Uh, in the Middle English, the was abbreviated with a little kind of p over it, and it's interesting, right? So, basically, it comes down to Add this had a p over it. It's hard to describe because obviously, this is an audio podcast, but imagine a t but with a p stuck on the side of it, so it has a little kind of curve capital right? T, yeah, yeah. That's how the word started out, oh, okay, and then it changed and developed, and then it became ye y e. So, when they're ye oldie shoppy. You yeah. don't say ye, you say ah, the. That's yeah. what that symbol means. But there are still, aren't there
0: people when they go, oh, I'm going to ye olde pub, and I think I'm going to put you through the window of the ye olde pub in a minute.
1: Yeah, because, you know, I'm anal like that. <coughs> but basically, the development of that signal for the changed, developed, and became ye, wow. and then ye became the, And that's how we get All the. Right. Yeah, you pulled it back. I'm interested. Or, or the band the the. Thanks. That was the shizzle. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I called you totes, right? Growing up, I thought totes made umbrellas, gloves, and then grippy slippers. I I thought
1: you, they still do. I like did them. Did you ever
0: have a pair of Totes
1: Toasties? Yeah, I did. Yeah. They're great. I still, can like, get, can get them still? I
0: think you can. That, I remember I wanted a pair when I was like 13 for Christmas. Oh. It's a weird thing to want at 13 is a pair of comfy slippers, you know. Yeah. Uh, but now Totes, unfortunately, is an annoying abbreviation short for totally. Except that, although its modern origins are in the movie from 2009, I Love You Man, Totes My Goats. And Gwyneth Paltrow's vocabulary totes are maize balls. <laughs> actually, totes predates both of them, uh, meaning the total amount. It was first found in print in a volume of essays in 1772. Oh. So it proves that all you kids that are using the slang now and you go, hey, I'm totes a mosh. Actually, you know what? Using a word that's over 300 years old.
1: How cool are you now for knowing that? Or
0: nearly 300 years old. 200. A word that's over 250 years old. There we go. How so, cool So yeah, are you? To- you
1: are totes. I'm totes. You're totes, mate. You're totes. I'm totes, there.
0: And this is the tachycardic-style uh, podcast. You've heard that in medical dramas, right?
1: Uh, yeah, it's what happens when the TARDIS can't leave the planet.
0: No, tachycard- he's tachycardic. What it means is you've got a rapid heart rate.
1: So it's not like you dressed like my granddad either. It then. means
0: your heart is beating faster than it's normal. The threshold for a normal beating heart is 100 beats per minute. Oh, uh, anything other than that, and you could end up with uh, a stroke, death.
1: Are you saying this podcast might cause a stroke or death?
0: Can do, because yeah. uh, it has a rhythm to it. It certainly has a fast rhythm. Interestingly, your your BPM right now can go up to 100 beats per minute. But when you're born, your BPM is, on the, the first two days that you're born, your average BPM is 159. Okay. Your heart is going Crazy to work out what's going on, and it slows down, and then when you hit puberty, like 15 years of age, it levels out until you meet your first girlfriend. And then and it goes through the over again. Uh, songs, if you're interested, that are at 100 beats per minute. Yeah, Beyonce's Crazy in Love, Justin Timberlake's Rocky Body, Stevie Wonder's Superstition, ABBA's Dancing Queen, Ooh. and Leonard Skinner's Sweet Home Alabama.
1: Oh, well, that's interesting. They're quite all big hits as well.
0: Yeah, and they just happen to be at your normal heart rate. Oh, uh, So, yeah, there you go. We are Tachycardic. Hey, this is The Thictionary. Thanks for checking us out. Come and find us while you're listening. See us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, Facebook or Twitter at Thick Podcast, whichever your preference. Listen to another episode, follow us, like us, rate us, spread the love and we will spread accordingly. Lucky her. Time for this week's Word Workouts, an anagram of a word. We're doing the letter T this week. (coughs) This is a condiment. The anagram is accuses a boat. Okay. A- accuses a boat. Boat. I accused you of being a boat. <laughs> accuses a boat. So condiment you got till the end of the podcast. Everyone listening, and Paul Gannon to work out what oh, it is. Yeah, me. Good luck. Here we go. Here we go. This week's big four words. You mentioned it earlier, actually. Mm-hmm. It would be remiss of me not to, as a big hoovian, touch on and start with TARDIS.
1: Excellent. Stands for, as we all know Time and relative dimensions in space, or time and relative dimensions in. Because there's a, there's a slight disagreement about Sometimes TARDIS. they
0: say dimension or dimensions. So it's
1: dimension or dimensions, yeah. but basically it's time and relative dimension in space.
0: Essentially, uh, if you don't know anything about sci-fi, the TARDIS is that blue box the Doctor Who flies around in. But mm. that is a circuit. It, he can make it the look... The chameleon ship, yeah. He can make it look like whatever he wants. But a TARDIS is a TT capsule invented by the Time Lords to travel through time and space. Uh, there are two types of TARDIS, did you know? No. There's an exploratory TARDIS. Okay. And a military TARDIS. <laughs>
1: Oh, right. that would make sense during the uh, Time War. Yeah, would have so had a lot of the, doctor, the
0: Doctor has a military TARDIS. It is a TT Type 40 Mark Three, yeah. which I think is the one with the go-faster stripes and it the bo- is. bobble aerial. And the noise that it makes, interestingly, is not supposed to do that.
1: You know, because it's got the handbrake on. See, I'm a bit of a Doctor Who person you know, yourself, you know. That whirring noise that we're all familiar with. And you know how that was done? I do. Oh, good. I'll let you get to that. Then. By
0: dragging house keys along the uh, piano strings.
1: Yeah. Radiophonic Workshop worked on that, Yeah, which is great.
0: Do you want something more interesting, though? So we like we know what the TARDIS looks like. Yeah. We know what it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, we know that it's massive inside. It can be any size.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: your favourite TARDIS console. This is very Anorak-y. is. Yeah, this is the
1: most anorak we've allowed but ourselves to your, get.
0: Your favourite TARDIS interior of, of all the, like, 50 years of the show.
1: I'm going to go out on a limb and do a choice which is both unpopular but still awesome. Yes. I really like Paul McGann's TARDIS from the Canadian TV movie Doctor Who in 96. That
0: was basically like the Antiques Roadshow, though. The set of the
1: Antiques Roadshow. It's great. It has this weird a kind of appearance where it's like, it's steampunky. It's yeah. a lot of kind of Edwardian, Victorian kind of architecture and design. And yet when the columns go up from the main console, it kind of disappears into like a space void. And it's fascinating because it kind of really shows you the space within the TARDIS. Mm. That's and what that, I really liked about it.
0: And that was Russell T. Davis and a lot of that was in the reboot with uh, yeah, the Yeah, as the fifth doctor
1: says, um, he left the coral... Yeah, wallpaper up on (laughs) whatever it was and they kind
0: of chiselled away at that movie for sort of ten years to take different bits and pieces from it the style
1: and all sorts of pieces
0: fun fact though with Doctor Who the original theme tune used no musicians and no synthetic instruments
1: was it just a guy going like this (laughs) (laughs)
0: wow that is cool I like that yeah what about this one it's amazing what you can do when you bend over isn't it
1: I haven't used my mouth yeah Um,
0: let me introduce you to the Delian mode Delia Derbyshire yeah. is the woman who, who created the Doctor Who theme tune. Yeah. Uh, large, they, wrong grainer, but Delia Derbyshire was the woman twiddling all the knobs and making all the sounds, right? She invented a way of doing it where you could cut it reel to reel and she would cut, she would take a reel of tape. Yeah. And she would have, she would cut in a sound effect and then she would cut in another sound effect and then she would cut in another sound and so on and so on. She put that on one reel, then she would take a different soundtrack, like doodle doo doodle doo. She would yeah. cut that on another reel. And then the, she cut that on another reel. And what they did, she basically put all four of these reels on and pushed play at the same time. And what came out
1: was the Doctor Who theme tune. That's amazing though, isn't it? Yeah. She was Unbelievable. the first mix master. Basically. Pretty much.
0: She was there ahead of Calvin Harris, Daniel Beddingfield. Oh yeah, Fat Boy Slim. Yeah, she beat them all to it. It's called the Delian Mode. And in fact, the 18th of March is yeah. uh, Delia Derbyshire Day. If you're interested, go to thedelianmode.com. You can watch the whole documentary
1: there. So my word then is taphophobia. Taphophobia, fear Taff of the Welsh, is correct. It's not <laughs> at all. Uh, it's an, now it's an abnormal fear of being buried alive. Now, before we go any further, I think any fear of being alive is fine. I don't think there's anything abnormal about well, the on. fear of being buried alive. Normal fear of being
0: buried alive. Abnormal. Okay, fear so of like being you bur- think it's yeah. definitely
1: going to happen, and you should worry about it every day. Yeah. Well, that's what it basically comes down to. It's the idea of being. It comes from the Greek, taphos, meaning grave, and then phobia, meaning to have a phobia. Sure. And That's a pretty simple explanation. Very simple explanation. Uh, it goes back to my love of the Victorian era, right? Um, what I found out was they had an obsession with death, Victorians. It's one of the reasons why the spiritual the spiritualism movement was so kind of pronounced at that point, why it grew in that period, to the point where people were genuinely worried about being alive in that time. So when you could buy a coffin, if you had enough money, there were fail-safes built into the coffin that you could use To if you've been buried alive and you woke up in the coffin Mm. things you could do to alert help one was a bell a bell was yeah there was one where you could have a little pulley and it rang a little bell or a little flag so you could pull it and a little flag would pop out by the gravestone you were buried at or the next one was a little glass window on the coffin roof and a hammer
0: what would you see through the window
1: you'd see nothing it's meant to be the kind of break in case of emergency situation where but you then, break it
0: and then it all f- and then you die
1: and then you die because so basically we, we,
0: f- <laughs> we can't be bothered we're british we can't be bothered to dig you up again we're just gonna leave you there and you might as well finish yourself off yeah did they throw in a sandwich at least
1: no not a at cheese all cheese sandwich no some are built in with uh, air holes so you can breathe if you yeah. do find yourself buried alive wow uh, the you're not getting out of
0: that that's a that's a, an absolute con yeah it is don't worry if you do wake up near the uh afterlife You'll be able to get yourself out.
1: There are a few famous people as well who were afraid of um, being buried alive. Uh, Hans Christian Andersen was Mm -hmm. terrified of the concept. Uh, I think he suggested, what does it say? Yeah, he was a strange guy. Um, He basically asked, in his final days at his home with his friends Dorothea and Moritz in Copenhagen, as the end neared, he begged Dorothea to cut his veins after he breathed his last
0: Oh, basically, lot. just say just on the
1: off chance, just just kill me, uh, that's just a lot in case. To ask
0: a friend to do. I mean, pick up my dry cleaning. Yeah, slit my wrists. That's hard work.
1: Yeah, and he said that th- there was a joke as well, saying he wanted the little note written next to him saying, "I only appear to be dead." Just on the off <laughs> yes. chance, he wanted to check your bets. Uh, he also was very strange because he travelled with a rope on his luggage, terrified of dogs, and refused to eat pork out of fear of illness. He told his doctor, my thumbs are not to be tied together, nor anything put on my face or any restraint upon my person by bandages, etc. My body is to be placed in an entirely plain coffin with a flat top and sufficient number of holes bored in through the lid and sides, particularly around the face and head to allow for respiration if resuscitation does take place. And having been kept so long as to ascertain whether decay might have occurred or not, the coffin is to be closed up.
0: What a picky customer. Very picky customer. I'll be paid extra for that.
1: And also used quite a lot in films. It's quite a big trope. Uh, have you seen the film Buried with Ryan Reynolds? That film is set completely in his coffin. There's no outside shots of anyone. Oh, okay. It's a fascinating film yeah. with a horrible ending that I hate because it robs me the chance of wanting to watch it again. Yeah. It's one of those up uh, kind of endings.
0: The beginning of Kill Bill 2.
1: Kill Bill 2 yeah. has it. And also when Tarantino directed CSI. He directed an episode about one of the CSI members getting buried alive. And also, uh, The Serpent and the Rainbow, a fantastic Wes Craven film about zombie voodoo cults. Uh, Bill Pauling gets buried alive and that horrible scene. Well done. Perhaps the best example of it is The Vanishing. Haven't That's... seen it. All right. Well, it's good because it has that plot in it, but it's kind of a spoiler. So if you haven't seen The Vanishing, I have both spoiled it and not it. could you see The Vanishing? It. It's gone. See so what you did there.
0: Man, come on. Right, hey, let's leap on, actually. You just touched on my next T word. How did You kind of reached over and tickled me with that. <laughs> um, I'll get to it in a second. Tarantula. Oh, I want to explore tarantula. Large, hairy spiders, which use their exoskeleton for support. Yep. They're around 900 different species, which range in size from as small as a fingernail. Have a look at your fingernail. Yeah, I see that. It's tiny. To as large as a dinner
1: plate. Yeah, that sounds about right. They're huge buggers. <laughs> Can you imagine that crawling on you? How
0: old do you think the uh, tarantulas are? Not how old do they live to, but they how predate. long they on the planet? Yeah,
1: I would say probably around you know all the old dinosaurs, maybe even a bit before. that.
0: Sixteen million years. Okay, that's good. Got a good ancestry line. Tarantulas are named after a town in southern Italy called Taranto. Nice. Do you know where I'm going with this? Uh, yeah, Taranto. <laughs> the language they speak, their native dialect in Taranto, is Tino T- uh, Tarantino. Yeah. In fact. Is it? Yeah. Which is where the species of wolf spider that is a tarantula was first spotted. So, we basically first gave a name to tarantulas in a town called Taranto, where they speak Tarantino. So you could really, really loosely argue yeah. that the director of Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill, <laughs> Jackie Brown, The Hateful Eight, Django <laughs> on Chain and more, is Quentin Spider. Like it. If you wanted to. Yeah, I like that. Uh, if you're interested in why some of them go bald at the back, uh, some of them flick their hairs off to defend themselves. Okay, yeah. And yes... They can explode if they're dropped upside down. Really? You cannot die from a tarantula bite, but you can get a nasty rash. Nobody's okay. ever died from one. Although there are poisonous species of tarantula, but they're like a subspe... It's like your cousin killing someone.
1: Okay. Rather than you. Oh, right, so I'm not really related to them. And no. So it's not to do with me.
0: Top speed of a tarantula, a heady, eight miles an hour. Right, uh, but yeah, tarantulas, large hairy spiders, 16 million years old, go at eight miles an hour, can't kill you, and are very loosely connected to Quentin Tarantino.
1: Oh, they're cuddly, I like them. All right, my word. Again, quite an obvious one, but I thought we'd tackle it. Tetrami, tetra me, tre- tetra, <laughs> Sorry. I are I you rapping? Go. Is no. that what you're doing? Tetromino. You know when you don't get the first part of a word right so it leads you down a merry path and then you realize you can't complete that word yeah yeah that was that i
0: really i should have thought before i started doing this podcast to check whether you're dyslexic or not i mean it's not that it it makes it more interesting it's like the last leg really (laughs) isn't it (laughs)
1: yeah that's that's (laughs) the thing i'm I'm fighting against adversity yeah no it's just that i i don't read properly and i it'll go to my head Uh, tetromino is the word right and you know what tetromino is
0: It's like a big
1: game of dominoes.
0: No, come on, you must know. You must know what a tetromino is. Is it what scientists shout before
1: they're about to... uh... Yeah, before (laughs) before they build a cube. No, it is. A tetromino is a geometric shape composed of four squares connected edge to edge, side to side. And where would you have seen that? In the game Tetris.
0: Oh, I love Tetris.
1: Tetris, right? Tetris were full of tetraminos. Which was the word I was trying to get. Baby not to Tetrises? Say. Yeah. yeah. But they were the little cubes that fall down in your little famous grid. I love Tetris. I Me love too. Tetris so much. How good are you at Tetris? Uh, most lines in a go,
0: 125, which Ooh, that's is a nice. typical night for the Rolling Stones. Yeah,
1: that's that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's an afternoon <laughs> yeah, with them. Um, so let's talk about Tetris for a bit then. Why not? Let's go the long way around. Tetris got its name from a portmanteau of the Greek word tetra, meaning four, uh, talking about all the cubes, and tennis. Because it was the creator's favourite sport. No. So it's like a cube sport. Yeah. Um, it's a tile-matching puzzle game for those in the world who might never have heard of Tetris or played it in their life. I'm pretty sure. I would say If you a don't good... know
0: Tetris, but you've managed to work a piece of technology to listen to this podcast, well
1: done you. Yeah. That's the thing. I think yeah. most people have probably at one point in their life played Tetris
0: through a Game Boy that was the thing that was the thing though yeah. because when
1: it was first bought because the basic story was it was designed originally by a Russian game designer called Alexei Patronov and it was developed in 1984 he was working at a uh, Academy Science of the USSR in Moscow what's interesting is that anything you created for that company belonged to Russia because yeah. it's Russia. So he couldn't sell the game, but Russia could. And so they sold it and made all this money from it. Yeah. They sell it to the home markets, that Amstrad and Commodore were, were popular with it. So that's where it was, and he was getting none of the money. Yeah. And then it went big, because it was packaged with a little thing that Nintendo made called Game Boy, mm-hmm. and it came with Tetris, And not only did that game sell that console more than any other games ever sold a console, but also it put Tetris in the minds of everyone who ever played it. It just became the first maybe kind of social video game. What's interesting as well is that I found out that they've been using Tetris to help people with... uh, with, OCD? Well, PTSD. If they give it to people who have gone through accidents or trauma, playing it a lot will help them replace those traumatic memories in their head with the Tetris kind of dream effect, where it just gets locked into your oh, brain like an earworm. Yeah. And it's been successful so far as well. Um, the Tetris' themselves have words to describe the shape. So if you got a four square, it's an O. If you get a line, a four line across, that's a one. A T is the T-shaped one. An L is the L. A J is the blue one in the opposite direction. Yeah. And S. So you can say that's, a, that's an O, that's an I, that's a T. Is that there a word that down. you can make from that? Jitso. There you go. Tetris, the well, best thing ever.
0: Time for a random game on the podcast this week. Well, because we've done TARDIS's and we've done Tetris's, yeah. I think we need to do Transformer time. Oh. i got five for you. You tell me whether they're Transformers or not Transformers. Okay. Number one, RC. I think that's a Transformer. Is correct Okay good She was the only female Autobot to appear on a regular basis She first appeared
1: in the movie
0: Bit sexist Called RC. Yeah The only woman that the <laughs> her go She's a bit Arcee
1: yeah, Although awesome.
0: there was Nancy Who was a female junkian
1: Oh okay maybe that's where I'm thinking of the, te- the From the Transformers movie Number two Slag Oh I want to say yes Because it sounds like it's a dinosaur A dinobot Go on what is it
0: Slag is a dinobot Yeah Can you Imagine the packaging <laughs> Mum I want a slag for Christmas it's all right. It's so does your father. Uh, number th-
1: number th- <laughs> the dark history of Damien St. John's Christmases. Number three, Bumble Jumper. Bumble Jumper. I'm going to say no just on the law of averages.
0: Bumble Jumper is not a Transformer, but an amalgamation of Bumblebee and Cliffjumper. All right, good. Number four, Sunstreaker.
1: No, I think this one sounds very similar.
0: Sunstreaker is an Autobot. Oh, is he? First appeared in the movie. He is the most egotistic of Autobots. He thinks he's very attractive.
1: <laughs> Why would you program a robot with vanity?
0: Number four, jazz wipe.
1: <laughs> if it's not, it's it's something to use as a toiletry.
0: <laughs> jazz wipe. We're out of energy cubes.
1: <laughs> uh, sorry, dear. I had an accent. Do you have any jazz wipes?
0: <laughs> I spilt my music everywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that that that's what I meant. Uh, I'm going to say no.
0: Jazz wipe is also not. Oh uh, you should get the Chris
1: Tarrant job on there. Want, you know, he wants to be a millionaire. Jazz
0: wipe is an amalgamation of jazz and sideswipe. swipe oh, OK. And finally, wide load. Wide load probably is. Wide load is a transformer.
1: He's a big truck thing with a crane, isn't he? Wide load
0: is an, a throttle bot with OCD. What? Who is insistent on putting things in places and being very organised. What good is he in battle? Ridiculous. So, there you go. You scored. Well, one, two... Oh. Three, four. I think four. Four's respectable. Four out of five on Transformer time. <laughs> time for the results of the word workout this week. Thirty seconds on an anagram. It is a condiment, popular condiment with uh, begins with the letter T. The anagram is accuses a boat. Thirty seconds to work it out. Starts now.
1: So I'm just going to go right ahead. I know front. what you've
0: done straight away. You just Google condiments. No, I haven't actually. And you down actually. the list to see which one begins with letter I T? I have
1: decided to respectfully sit out of this one simply because I didn't write it down. It's not lodged in my head. I'm not like Sherlock Holmes who can do a word palace and put things and re- reach out and grab them and swipe them like Tinder. I can't do that, right? So I'm just going to concede that I've let the side down for everyone listening right now, and I haven't done my homework. You
0: haven't even tried. I'm not
1: even time, time and biscuits. Ac- accuses a boat. Um, Tabasco sauce Is correct Is it Yes
0: (laughs) A shade beyond your allotted time (laughs) I'm just
1: impressed that I got that at all
0: Tabasco sauce First produced in 1868 by Edmund McIlhenny A Maryland-born former banker who moved to Louisiana. Uh, He originally used discarded cologne bottles to distribute his sauce to family and friends. Mm. And today the manufacturer, McIlhenny, is one of just a few US companies to have received a royal warrant of appointment that says uh, they supply stuff to the Queen officially.
1: And also there's a picture of me on my <laughs> Instagram of me hugging a giant bottle of Tabasco sauce that my drunken friend just happened to find in the street and drag back to his place. Well, now you know. Yeah. Um,
0: so there you go. An anagram of accuses a boat, popular condiment, Tabasco sauce. And that'll do it for this week's episode of The Fictionary. Thanks for hanging on in there. Yeah, uh, You've deserved a tick and a gold star. So we'll give you one, and you can give us one back on iTunes with a review. A couple of words takes two. If, you, if you're if you on iTunes right now, you just click like, and it'll do it all for yeah, you. Yeah,
1: it's all automated. Yeah.
0: Audio boom. Android users can get the Stitcher. We would love to get your feedback on this. We'll be back next week with the letter U. Ooh. But until then, Paul Gannon, I think this week's podcast has been Twin Magic.
1: Ooh. <laughs> and I thought it was quite
0: toit- And I would say this uh, podcast has been Trick Out. Yeah. Uh, An old slang for adorn or decorate, the verb phrase trick out, was first used by Sir Walter Scott in 1822. I must trick out my dwelling with something (laughs) fantastical, like a picture. Excellent. Uh, Until next week, have a lovely week, everybody. Bye. Au revoir.